Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, and welcome to Black Free Thinkers. And this is Kim, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And we thank you all for tuning in with us today. I have Raina on the line with us. Good morning, Raina. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> a little delayed reaction there, but uh, well, I had myself on mute because I was I was trying to get myself situated here. Okay. <laughs> That's all right, but uh, <laughs> so today, if you all notice, the sound is different. Um, we've upgraded to HD. So all of our sound effects and everything are going to have to be re-uploaded, even though I rarely use them. But the other hosts, sometimes they use sound effects. But we just want to let you know that, you know, we're improving the sound quality. And I hope you can hear me clearly. And I, it was interesting listening to the theme song because at one point it sped up really fast. I was like, wow. I was trying to figure out if I was falling asleep or <laughs> <laughs> what was really happening. I was like, okay, so we'll get that situated as well. But thank you all for tuning in. And again, this is Kim and Raina, 
And we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And our topic today is, is secular humanism a religion? But before we go into the topic, you know, we have to talk about everything else. And, um, <laughs> you know, we were supposed to do a webcast today, but we end up canceling that um, because um, one of the people that were going to, that was going to join us um, had some really good news happen. So they're, you know, getting all of that situated and we're wishing them the absolute best. Hey, Jen. And. So, you know, that's that's how that's going. So we'll reschedule that and we'll reschedule that particular conversation. Um, that webcast was going to be about um, making secularism normal. And I mean, it was going to be along the lines of that. That wasn't the title, but basically um, we were going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, white male privilege. And but that's that's you know neither here nor there right now but um again you know we're really honored to be a part of your conversation for you allowing us into your lives you know we appreciate it and for those that made it out to the conference this year it was really great meeting all of you all at the moving social justice conference which took place in october in Los Angeles, California. Next year, we will be in Houston, Texas. So we're telling everybody now, you know, you have a whole year to save up your United Negro Conference funds, okay? So start saving up your money and we're gonna have a really good time. Um, it's gonna be over at Rice University. So I can tell you that much now. So we will be at Rice University and more details are forthcoming. And again, we need your support, we need your encouragement, we, we need your motivation, but most importantly, we need your voices. So we want you to speak out, you know, you can contact us, the email addresses, well, I'll give you two. One email address is peopleofcolorbeyondfaith at gmail.com. Again, that's peopleofcolorbeyondfaith at gmail.com. And the other email address is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, the webcast that we're going to be doing on Sunday, December 7th, it will be Dr. Hutchinson, Donald Wright, Raina, Jen, and myself. And so we're looking forward to answering some questions and giving some more insight as to what moving social justice and people of color beyond faith, you know, what we're planning, what we're trying to achieve and why you are the most important cornerstone of this project. So we just wanted to, you know, again, you know, send out our appreciation to those of, of you who have been supportive in the past and who are being supportive now and will be supportive in the future. We just appreciate you. So before we go into this topic today, uh, I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, most importantly, I wanted to let you guys know that we are still waiting for the Ferguson grand jury verdict. We're pretty much anticipating it's going to be Monday or Tuesday of this week. I thought it was going to be last week, but I guess they didn't have enough National Guard and riot gear ready. So, but um, 
you know, because I mean, the, the governor of Missouri had a talk with, you know, President Obama last week. And that's when they started sending in more National Guard, you know, troops and all of that. So that's why I was anticipating it to be read next week. But I guess they weren't fully stocked. And, you know, we're just telling the people of Ferguson to be careful out there, you know, the people that live there as well as the protesters. And we have a right to protest, you know, peacefully. We do have that right. And there's nothing anyone can do to take that away. Apparently, some members of the Ku Klux Klan were saying that they were going to take African-American protesters down with lethal force. And Anonymous outed them, outed every one of them that were sending those threatening notes, um, put their information up online, their pictures, where they worked, um, everything, you know, their children, pictures of their kids, you know, the family barbecue, you know, they, all of that. They totally outed them. So it should be interesting. And some of the Ku Klux Klan members are actually cops. So it was interesting seeing who, who the police officers were and ones that worked for the county and the ones that worked for the city. I wonder how many of them will have their jobs after this. So for those of you down in Ferguson, there's some job openings coming up. I would advise you to get your resumes all polished up and go stand in line or send it in. And we shall see how that works out. But when the first Ferguson verdict does come in, we will be doing an impromptu show that evening so that we can get the reactions of those in this community and have our reactions. And, you know, again, we stand 100% in solidarity with the protesters because, you know, white supremacy is a real thing. And if you go and you look up the facts of Ferguson and how they have that set up, you know, basically the city is being funded on the backs of people of color. You know, all of these different fines, throwing them in jail, they have to post bond, have to post bail. If in it's three warrants per household, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, right. how they are funding their operation is it's like a shakedown. So, you know, it's a Ponzi scheme. So, you know, a lot of things have to change, but it's not just Ferguson that's having that particular issue. This is happening across the country. And this is what we've been trying to show you for the past few years. You know, this show has been on for three and a half years. And we, we give you the evidence. We give you the links. We point you to the information. And we encourage you to do the research on your own. We want you to think critically. It's important that you're able to formulate your own thoughts and that you're able to research and find this information out for yourself. We're, we're just trying to pique your interest. And hopefully when you're doing the research and you find out information that we kind of laid the groundwork for, if, if you're like me, you find other information and you go and investigate that. And three hours later, you're totally investigating something different than what you had started out with. And you have like 20 million links up. So your browser keeps crashing. You know, that's that's usually what happens mm -hmm. to me. I'm usually on the phone with Raina and I'm cussing because my browser crashed. But it's my fault mm -hmm. for having 221 links open, right? So, <laughs> so that gives you some idea as to um, 
what happens on my end, I do a lot of reading, a lot of reading. And we post some comments and some links, but I haven't been posting as much as I used to in the past. Um, I guess I'm going to start blogging. And Yay! Which I've been telling <laughs> you forever. I know, I know, but... You know, most of it, you know, I have voice software, so I can talk it out and talk it through. It's just that Raina knows sometimes I just get really frustrated with, um, you know, how to express myself. Everybody says I express myself just fine. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out, you know. But, you know, being the voice software, we're going to be going through some changes, but eventually I'll get it to where I actually need it to be. But anyway... Moving forward, um, do you have some words for Ferguson, Raina? Um, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, you know, Ferguson is a is an example of what's going on in communities throughout the United States um, on so on on so many different levels. The you know the disenfranchisement, the um, you know, the expansion of, of sort of, of the carceral state, the use of um, basically the, I mean, we've, we, we've moved away from what they used to call beggars prisons or, you know, um, what do you call them? The, um, the you know, the, the prisons basically that people used oh, to have in, in, in Europe. Debtors. Where people, debtors prisons. Yeah. Debtors prison. I said beggars prison. Sorry debtor's prison. So we moved away from that and now we have a system where we're basically incarcerating people or putting them in jail for not being able to pay outrageous fines, you know, and, and a lot of these fines and, and, and citations, you know, they're not for things that are dangerous or, you know, particularly disruptive. You know what I mean? They could mm-hmm. be for anything. They could be for your pants sagging. You know what I mean? Right. They could be for, for, for just any old thing. And so, you know, um, it just it becomes a situation where, um, you know the 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 attitude of law enforcement and the attitude of society is such that we, um, you know we just we uh, we we basically have been complicit. You know exactly. what I mean? And and that includes me. I don't mean just just you know listeners or just other you know a certain group of people. I mean, we've all been complicit in allowing this to happen because we, um, you know, we may be protected by our class or Mm -hmm. our education or, you know, or whatever veneer of respectability that we have to cloak ourselves in. We don't see this as something that is relevant to us. But once they lock up all the poor, once they lock lock up all the poor blacks, once they lock up, you know, all the all the immigrants. Well, who did they, who was left? They gotta lock up somebody. You know exactly. What I mean? <laughs> and they gotta feel like they're better than somebody. Somebody has they to gotta, be the little man on a totem pole. That's right. Somebody's <laughs> gotta be locked up. And exactly. it's, and it's gonna be you. And this is I mean, this is a this is a reproductive justice issue, this is an environmental justice issue, this is a you know, an education issue. This is a, you know, I mean, there's just so many things that interact in this, in this situation. And so all I can say is, you know, that I encourage you 
to educate yourself on these things. And obviously no one person can, you know, can engage in every form of activism that's, you know, relevant or, or important, you know, but it's important to see how, you know, the, the, the particular form of activism that you've chosen interacts with a lot of these other things, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's very important for people to know and for people to understand. Um, you have different people doing different types of activism and it, it kind of works out because no one person can focus on everything. We'll never get anything done. So, you know, it, it all kind of works together hand in hand. And I'm just sitting over here chuckling because part of what Raina is talking about when she says that we're complicit, it reminds me of a conversation that I want to have, but I just haven't pushed it yet. But we need to talk about our roles in white supremacy mm-hmm. and the roles that we play. And that's part of it right there. And um, that's going to be a kind of a difficult conversation because I that's 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 a conversation that probably would take place over two or three shows and i would definitely have to outline that show and make sure that you know we keep that show tight because it's a lot of information that has to be sent forth or maybe i'll just leave it to the experts and when we start offering classes next year that will be one of the classes uh, white supremacy and different levels, you know, beginners, intermediate, advanced, and pro. So <laughs> you never know that maybe one of the classes I won't be teaching. I won't be teaching it. This will be taught by um, probably Dr. Hutchison or Dr. Penn. So <clears throat> um, good information, good stuff there. So you know, we're trying to bring all of this to you. We're trying to expand. We want, again, you to be a part of the conversation because we do care. We do care about you. We do care about your well-being. But most importantly, we want you to understand um, what's happening and the roles that we play in, you know, society uh, and for you to understand. So that's why we do different shows on different topics and we tell you about the history and where that came from and why it's important to know. Now, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I have to because, again, of the history of it. This fascination or co-opting in the white community, again, with, you know, what used to be ridiculed as Black culture and this big butt thing. So now big butts are the end thing. And, um, you know, one of those Kardashians is trying to break the internet because they think everybody wants to see their butt. And, you know, it also falls in line with, you know, JLo. And I think she had her butt insured for like a million dollars. And it's just, it's, you know, it's interesting because now you have these magazines, you have white culture embracing this you, and saying that it's the new in thing, which, you know, many black women find quite interesting that it's the in thing when at one point we were told that 
you know, oh, that's so unusual. That's nasty. Ew. You know, and, and that's what they used to mm-hmm. say to us or give us the gas face. And mm-hmm. now you have people dying from trying to get injections in their butts. You have people having cement and all of this stuff injected into their bodies, into their butts, their faces, and a number of places. But we're talking about the butt right now. And while all of this is happening, I I, I hope you all know the story about Sarah Bartman. I hope you know the story about Sarah Bartman. I want you guys to go and look that up. Um, and how she was part of the human zoo, if you will. And she was also prostituted, um, taken advantage of, um, just a number of things. It's a really, really sad story. And it took, you know, South Africa, you know, constantly, you know, petitioning France to release her, you know, remains. And I believe it was in the 80s, 1980s, when South Africa finally got her remains back. And, you know, it's a really, really sad story, you know, to the life that she led because, you know, she was, you know, misled. She was taken advantage of. She was just used in every possible way. So go and look up Sarah Bartman, look that information up and understand why her story is important. So I just said all of that. And also be care and also be careful about <sighs> about the about looking at into the story of Sarah Bartman because there's a serious difference between Sarah Bartman's case and Nicki Minaj, right? Right. Because right. Nicki Minaj is not Sarah Bartman. So like there's so many instances where I find people have tried to use the example of Sarah Bartman to shame black women. You know what right. I mean for for you know dressing or behaving in a certain way, right? There's right. a difference between between a, a person who's exercising their agency and has a choice in their behavior, and someone who's being forced. Right. Know? So we have to you know make sure that we keep that distinction. You know. Exactly. Yeah, and so, yeah, definitely. I'm glad you said that because Sarah Bartman was not doing that of her own volition. I thought that was understood. I'm glad, but I just want to make sure that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say there's some, there's some, some debate as to whether or not she went to Europe initially, um, you know, of her own volition or if she participated initially of her own volition, but whether or not she participated of her own volition to begin with, she was in a, she was in a place where the laws were such and the, um, and the system was such that she, you know, she didn't really have a lot of choice. So there's very, there's a gray area in that case where we don't know at what point she chose to engage in what, but we do know that once there, there were situations that she was involved in that she had no choice. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the situations was, um, the European man that she had some type of relationship with. I'm not sure if it was a friendship or more, but he kept promising to marry her and all of these things. And it's like I said, it's just a really sad story. So it is a sad story. Yeah. 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 And so 
with Nicki Minaj, you know, that's something different. They, you know, you have different schools of thought on what Nicki is trying to do. Some people believe that Nicki is challenging rape culture. And, you know, there's a lot of debate about that. You know, I wasn't trying to get into that today. That's, you know, uh, a whole different show. But, you know, again, we just want to encourage you or pique your interest so that you can go out and see where all of this is coming from. Um, also, just do some research on how Black culture is co-opted and profited and capitalized off of by non-Black people and how we, in our own way, we kind of encourage that um, because in, in many cases, you know, people of color will support the non-Black person but not necessarily support the black people who've been telling you this information for decades. Right. Case in point, Nicki Minaj and Kim Kardashian, right? So Nicki Minaj mm-hmm. did the Anaconda, the Anaconda photo shoot with her, with her cheeks out. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and she was criticized and people were saying, you know, how inappropriate that was. And yet a lot of people are praising Kim Kardashian you know, what right. I mean? for her, for her being so bold and out there, you know, so it's just the difference sometimes in how black women are treated versus how white women are treated in, in terms of media. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's a big difference between the two. So, you know, again, do your research, understand the subject matter and just realize that there is usually a history behind this, but a lot of that history has been buried. So, you know, we feel that it's our job to bring it back to the forefront so that you'll have a better understanding for the different arguments that are out there and that you'll know how to respond respectively. Because in many cases, I know with me, when I was younger and we would have these debates and I knew something was amiss, but I didn't have the information. I would get so frustrated and upset. And that is one of the ways, that's one of the reasons why I learned how to research. Because it's like, you know, I may not be an expert in it, but I know enough to know that what you're saying is bullshit. So, right. you know. So. <laughs> that's all you need sometimes. It's not necessarily about being an expert, but just knowing enough just to say, nah, that's not true. Here's why, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So there is that. So anyway, our call in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And if you want to speak with us, you have to press one. And that even includes our regulars. You got to press one to let me know that you would like to be a part of the conversation. So we're going to move on into the subject matter. Is secular humanism a religion? And let me define secular humanism from the Council for Secular Humanism. I'm taking the definition from their webpage. And basically, you know, this is their unique selling proposition which is, you know, quite interesting, but I'll go ahead and give you the definition from Wikipedia because I don't want to read all of that to you. So the definition from Wikipedia 
the short one is, the philosophy or life stance of secular humanism, alternately known at, by some adherents as humanism, specifically with a capital H to distinguish it from other forms of humanism, embraces human reason, ethics, and philosophical naturalism while we split out. My tongue, it's just, it's not working today, Raina. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to start take over. Time, take your time. Yeah, we're going to start over and let me focus, focus, focus. Okay. Secular humanism. <laughs> the philosophy or life stance of secular humanism, alternatively known by some adherents as humanism, specifically with a capital H to distinguish it from other forms of humanism, embraces human reason, ethics, and philosophical naturalism while specifically rejecting religious dogma, supernaturalism, pseudoscience, and superstition as the basis of morality and decision-making. Ta-da! I got through it. So, yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those days. And you know, for those that are, yeah, you know, for those of you that are interested, you can go to secularhumanism.org and find out more information about how they define secular humanism. Tom Flynn has a really good page um, talking about secular humanism and talking about the cognitive thrust and you know, all of these different things about how to draw clear boundaries and what are secular humanist ethics. And I'll go ahead and read this part because this is pretty good. It says secular humanism propounds a rational ethics based on human experience. It is consequentialist. Ethical choices are judged by their results. Secular humanist ethics appeals to science, reason, and experience to justify its ethical principles. Observers can evaluate the real-world consequences of moral decisions and intersubjectively affirm their conclusions. Kurtz and other secular humanists argue that all human societies, even deeply religious ones, invariably construct consensus moralities on consequentialist principles. Millennia of human... Yeah, millennia of human experience have given rise to a core of moral, I'm sorry, to a core of common moral decencies shared by almost all. So, you know, go look that up when they say Kurtz. They're talking about Paul Kurtz, who we lost. Was it this year or last year when he passed away? It was, it was last year, I believe. Yeah, it was last year. So, yeah, Paul Kurtz. He was the founder of Center for Inquiry, CFI. So this is why we also tell you it's important to know your history. Know the history of humanism, atheism, where all of this comes from, you know, who started a lot of these. Um, for those of you that are looking for a big shock, look up Madeline O'Hare. You're going to find out some real interesting things when you look that one up. But she founded American Atheists, um, and you know you'll you'll find out you know how she and one of her sons died, and you know everything in between. So again, you know sometimes looking this stuff up and understanding the history that's part of the fun. But 
you know, again, today we're asking, is secular humanism a religion? And so, again, <laughs> uh, there are some people out here who absolutely hate secular humanism. And one of the reasons why some people hate it is because uh, quite a few Christian fundamentalists, Christian or religionists or theists or whatever you call them, they actually believe that secular humanism is a religion. And one thing we must say is that not all atheists are humanists and not all humanists are atheists. And we defined, you know, two different versions of humanists um, a couple of weeks ago. You know, the show was titled Humanism. And it's just ironic that we're back on this topic today. And the reason why we're back on this topic is because a federal district court in Oregon has declared secular humanism a religion, paving the way for non-theistic community to obtain the same legal rights as groups such as Christianity. Now, um, this has this has to do with you know the establishment clause in the U.S. Constitution, and that's why I embedded the link so that you all would have a chance to go and actually read the article before the show. Because um, there is a reason why it was declared a religion. Part of this has to do with the military and humanist chaplains. So there, you know, some of the troops who were non-believers wanted their own chaplain. They didn't want a religious chaplain. They wanted a humanist chaplain. And, you know, that falls into this particular, you know, lawsuit here. And so, again, um, it's, it's just, it's interesting. You really have to read it. But right here, it says that Judge Haggerty sided with the plaintiffs in his decision, citing existing legal precedent and arguing that denying humanists the same rights as groups such as Christianity would be highly suspect under the Establishment Clause in the U.S. Constitution, which declares that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Mm -hmm. So it's important that you understand that, you know, the court finds that secular humanism is a religion for Establishment Clause purposes. And the ruling was very specific on that in and of itself. So, again, this is where some of the lines are kind of being blurred. And why we're putting this out here um, is just interesting because the same article quotes Greg Epstein, who's the humanist chaplain at Harvard University. And he wrote the book, Good Without God, What a Billion Non-Religious People Do Believe. He says he really doesn't care if humanists is called a religion or not, but if you're going to give special rights to religions, then you have to give them to humanism as well. And I think that's what this case was about. Right. So yeah, go ahead, Brandon. I'd have to agree with I'd have to agree with that. You know, we're talking about not establishing, you know, making laws that establish religion. I think you have to treat them all the same, essentially. You know. Um, but I was going to say, as far as, like, um, religion, there's, like, a lot of different definitions of religion, you know, and um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, depending upon what 
um, your outlook is. You know, there's, you know, we already know that there are, you know, non-theistic religions that exist, like Buddhism, you know, is a non-theistic religion, although there are some Buddhists that actually believe in God or, you know, an oversoul or whatever you'd like to call it, you know. I, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, if you look at it as in terms of a human, you know, like human endeavors that um, organize and give meaning to life or whatever, I think that certainly humanism could fall under that category. You know, if you're suggesting that, um, you know, that our ethics and our morality is something that, um, you know, that we, that can, that we need to, um, build based upon human reason, human experience. I think that that definitely puts us in the category of religion. And I don't know, I think, it, I think the problem is, is that for <clears throat> a lot of people, they associate religion automatically with theism. And mm-hmm. um, because they regard theism as, you know, irrational, um, they regard religion as irrational. Um, but I think it's also important to realize that um, though we as humanists rely on reason, that not all reason or, or not all um, rationalization or logic is, um, first of all, it's not always all sound. And sometimes it's, um, it's not always correct. Like you can use logic and get to a, you can use good logic and get to a wrong conclusion. It's exactly. Happened. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to, re- to recognize that, you know, while we praise reason and we praise logic, that we also have to recognize that we are, that we are flawed as, you know, right. we're, as human beings are not perfect and that reason and logic is not perfect. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I'm still laughing about what Debbie said at the conference. We know all the Latin terms for logical fallacies. So I'm going to give you the Latin term for what Raina was just talking about. That's the Dunning-Kruger fallacy. Um, it relates to illusory superiority. And basically what that means and what that says is you're making decisions based on flawed information, based on incorrect information. So for those of you that want to look that up, that is called the Dunning-Kruger philosophy or fallacy. And you can look up the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Dunning-Kruger effect. There you go. We tend oh, to judge yes. ourselves as more competent than we, um, and, and others as less competent. Um, exactly. <laughs> when it comes to certain yeah. issues. Yeah, so. It, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's also illusory superiority. So look all of that up. Yeah. Look all of that up. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And so, <laughs> uh, sometimes we just can't help ourselves, can we, right now? <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, that's funny because I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you all have to see some of the debates that go on in some of these groups. And yeah. I'm not one, I don't do a lot of talking, um, you know, online or, or even in real life. I'm actually relatively quiet, but it's interesting because sometimes I'll go into these groups. And I'll just look at some of the arguments. There's a few of them that I'm following right now. I haven't said a word, but I'm following it. And let's just say it's, it's been quite eye-opening 
over the years, some of the arguments that I've seen, um, something that started out innocent, you know, a week later, they're still going back and forth. And what, you know, kind of pisses me off with some of these admins is they'll just go ahead and delete the thread because they're tired of dealing with it. You know, so that's why we have screen grab now. And so <laughs> we snatch the argument up before it gets to go away. But um, getting back to secular humanism as a religion, again, you know, there are a lot of blurred lines here, um, and especially with that ruling. But that ruling was very specific, which is why, um, you know, we made sure that we gave you that part of it and we gave you also the link so that you can go and look it up for yourself because, you know, humanism is growing. And over the past several years, you know, it has grown quite a bit, but you see now more people of color entering humanism and declaring themselves as humanists. And this community is actually is growing exponentially. And so it's, it's important for us to understand the terminology and understand our roles and what's happening. And, and oh, and I got that wrong. It was the US Navy, not the US Army that rejected the application for Jason Heap to become a humanist um, chaplain. So I wanted to make sure I um, corrected that. So um, it's just, it's interesting. And we want you guys to understand that, you know, we're, we're growing, we're being recognized, and there are more people coming into this community. But I want to make sure that we kind of distinguish between the two. And again, Greg Epstein says, non-religious people are just one of the large groups in American society today. Increasingly, we need to be recognized not just for our non-belief, but also as a community. And this decision affirms that. So again, um, we're growing. And the conference that we had this past October, you know, um, definitely it was humanism. Um, we were talking about social justice, but you know, again, it was intertwined with humanism and our roles in that and our roles in the community. So again, when they say is atheism enough to us, many of us, the answer is no. To some people, the answer is yes. So it's interesting because again, um, do you see, Rain, I'm talking to you specifically, do you see some people coming over into the humanist community or declaring themselves now humanists in an effort to basically have all of the same rights and privileges as religious people. Do you see that happening? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to say. I think, I think in some ways, yes, but I don't want to I don't want to like, I don't want to throw sort of criticism at, you know, just indiscriminately. But I think that right. there are definitely a few of the major atheist organizations that describe themselves as humanists that certainly are, are doing that. You know, they have right. no real interest in humanism. They have no real interest in, um, in, 
in, in, in ex- extending uh, human agency to everyone or um, trying to uh, improve the lives of people that don't look like themselves. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I absolutely agree. You some of these same large mainstream organizations, you see them balking at any reference to social justice. And interestingly, and I, and I also want to add one more thing. You can come to all of our conferences as much as you want. <laughs> that doesn't make you. That doesn't make. That doesn't change how we see you. You know what I mean? Exactly. You need to either you need to start doing something. So besides writing notes or you know saying well <laughs> again you know this is me and this is Kim speaking and with a few of these larger organizations they wrote <laughs> they basically they wrote statements saying that they were profoundly disappointed with you know racism and blah 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 in regards to what happened in ferguson so you know some of us feel like they wrote that in an effort to you know not have fingers pointed at them but you know what happened in ferguson was extremely egregious but these same organizations had nothing to say the year before after the Zimmerman verdict. So it's like, okay, they're trying to put forth, you know, a couple of statements here and there. However, it's, it's, it takes more than just writing a statement to show people that you're actually for social justice or if you're actually a humanist. You know, in, in, in my world, you know, social justice and humanism, they intersect, they're kind of woven together in my world, as far as, you know, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to achieve. However, what I want you all to pay um, specific attention to is when they wrote those statements, look at the comments. You know, sometimes I can't read the comments on some of these articles, but I read the comments. And when you read the comments, you will understand why some of them were scared and are still scared to make any type of specific stance for social justice or even humanism in some regards, because many of the people that support these organizations or specific people, they are not for social justice. They are not for humanism. You have a lot of racist, sexist, you know, uh, homophobes, you know, a number of misogynists, you know, we got all these different names for them in this community. And again, they want what's best for them. And what's best for them does not usually include someone who does not look like them. And see, and this is where the conversation is going to kind of bleed over. And I really don't have a choice but to, you know, kind of deal with it. But um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because what's happening now is they're trying to normalize non-belief and i know some of you all are saying well it is normal yes it is normal i'm not saying that it's not 
but I'm looking at this from, you know, a different lens right now, you know, because sometimes when we look at these and we talk, talk about these subjects, you have to try to look at it from different perspectives and filter certain things out in order to explain, you know, what you're thinking and how you came to your conclusion. And, she so, does, and, and you know, you also have to look beyond, you also have to look, okay, and this is something else that Kim and I talked about. You also mm-hmm. have to, when you look in the dictionary and you look at these definitions, you have to go beyond the, the first definition in the list. There's, right. You know, there's several definitions. And what she means normalize, yeah, it's not normal in the sense that, like, non-belief is this thing that, like, is completely out of, out of, you know, out of the range of possibilities, right? Right. It's not that she's saying that. It's that in terms of, you know, the the population, right? Right. The U.S. population, the world population, atheism or non-belief is not, is not the norm. That's what she means. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you know, you have to take it out of that, you know, context, you know? Exactly, because non-believers are a minute, minute microcosm of society as a whole. Do you understand where I'm coming from with that? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. It's a very, very small percentage. And when I talk about normalizing, you know, atheism or non-belief, it kind of overlaps, you know, because I'm looking when I'm when I explain this to you, I'm seeing Venn diagrams in my head. Um, the same thing happened with, you know, the LGBTQ community. With LGBTQ activism, making LGBTQ more mainstream, more tolerable, more accepted by others. And it kind of overlaps with this. But just to make a long story short without going into these long, complicated Venn diagrams and where they intersect and where we fit. Basically, it's it's about white men, white males, white men becoming regular white guys again because, you know, oppression is too hard and complicated and they don't like this oppression stuff, at least when it comes to them. And they're trying to get their regular white guy status back. They're trying to um, become the status quo again or the center. So in, in many cases, when you hear some of these arguments, especially with some of the people that like to come at us from all kind of angles, it all boils down to they want white males to be the center of the argument, to be the center of attention. You know, they want whiteness to be the core. And this is where some of the disagreements and the arguments and, you know, the drawing the lines in the sand comes because you'll see some of these same people arguing against feminists, um, namely white feminists in this community. And it's been interesting watching that and being a part of it because I definitely support you know, Greta and, you know, uh, Data Boy and, you know, everybody else, you know, that's part of that fight, you know, and they know we support them. And it's just, it's been really interesting when you see, anyway, some of the arguments and some of the videos that are being made that are anti-feminist and 
and it's, it's just it's outrageous. And so once they're done with the white feminists, you know who they're coming after after that. Right now, they're a little scared to come after the people of color, just, you know, people of color in general. They do when they're anonymous on the Internet. Why do you have black in front of your name? Why do you have Latino in front of your names? It's not just the blacks that get it. The Latinos and the Asians get it as well especially if they, you know, specify that they're Latino or Asian. And again, you'll have people coming out of the woodwork, creating fake Facebook profiles. And it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting. But anyway, going back to secular humanism of religion, you know, I kind of worry about this um, being declared a religion because as we've stated in the past, there really is no money in atheism right now. There is no money in atheism right now. However, it is being corporatized. And so that's when the money starts to flow in. And they are organizing in such a way that it becomes corporatized, just like when I was talking about the LGBTQ community. When they corporatized the, you know, the gay movement, there was a lot of money put into that. And that's why you see some of the divisions and the arguments you see today. And that's the same thing happening over here with atheism as well as secular humanism. And this is why the lines are becoming blurred to me, is because if they're going to be established a religion and receive all of the perks that religious people or Christians or Muslims or, you know, religions that have their 501c3s, we're going to see a lot of people coming over to this community, declaring themselves, you know, secular humanists, get their 501c3s and abuse their power, abuse the privilege and abuse people. And I just see it coming. You can see it coming a mile away because there are going to be people that want to exploit, you know, um, that clause and exploit the opportunities that are there. And, you know, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I want you all to grasp and to understand, you know, when you're a 501c3 and you're a religion, you know, your home, your, your one million plus dollar home that you see a lot of these mega pastors living in that falls under the 501c3, no taxes. Many of them have portfolios of, you know, real estate. No taxes are paid on that. Um, they open some businesses under the 501c3, no taxes on that. Now, mind you, many of these churches are in economically and educationally disadvantaged neighborhoods. And, you know, the furniture, the pool boy, the cook, the cars, the trips, the jets, even some of these ministries own banks and credit unions. All of that falls under that 501c3, no taxes. And, I'm just afraid that we're going to see a lot of people from the non-believing community doing the same thing, the same thing that they rail against. And I'm concerned because some people are turning into the very thing that they railed against. 
Now, I'll be the first one to tell you I've been quite clear on my stance in this regard. I do not understand atheist churches. I understand the need to be with like-minded people. I understand the need to socialize. I understand the need to get out the house to have something to do to have other people to do these activities and enjoy these activities with. You know, I'll be the first one to say, when I left religion and I walked away from it and I had to walk away from some friendships, some really close relationships, that was hard. And I had to establish new friends, new, you know, rituals, new traditions and all of that. But I do not understand atheist churches. And someone has to explain to me how this is not turning into what we have railed against. Because if, if I'm getting confused by some of these new designations and what I'm starting to see in this community, I know other people are getting confused and it can be extremely confusing. And to be honest with you, I believe that many of these people are money driven. And it's just, it's real interesting because we've talked about white privilege, but we see white privilege in action over here, you know, in this community. And what I find interesting is, is that it's small enough now that we can criticize it and possibly get it under control. But it's, it seems like, you know, we're behind the eight ball on this. And these Christian churches, I'm sorry, these atheist churches are popping up all over the country. Now, again, um, Valerie Terrico, Dr. Terrico, she wrote an article and it was on Alternet. And it says 10 ways religious groups are freeloading off taxpayers. And what's interesting is now I'm going to be sitting back and watching humanist groups to see if they take advantage of the same thing. I mean, they, they, you know, a couple of them have said that if those, you know, perks or incentives are available to them, that they're going to take advantage of it. And what I find interesting is instead of taking advantage of it, why don't we petition? the IRS and the government to just take a lot of these perks and privileges away from the church, then nobody has it. And especially if it's been declared a religion. But anyway, the first one she has here is fund your religious classes with school vouchers, tuition tax credits, or capital grants. Are we going to start seeing atheists opening up charter schools? And again, I'm talking about follow the money people. Get free facilities for after school clubs and public facilities. Now, are we going to start seeing some social justice in the atheist community or the humanist community? You know, tutoring the kids after school. You have a lot of intelligent people in this community. If you're going to take advantage of these perks, at least try to be of benefit to the people who need this most. So if you're gonna be able to use the public school facilities for afternoon and evening clubs, why don't you set up some clubs that can help the children that need it most? But that's too much like right. 
The third one is nudge your doctrines into public school textbooks and discussions. Now, we already see what's happening over in Texas. So are we going to start, you know, uh, basically petitioning to have real science put back into the textbooks? You know, otherwise kids are going to believe that Jesus had a dinosaur as his pet. Is that what we want, Raina? Um, number four, support military missionaries on government salaries. Now, isn't that interesting? A lot of people didn't know about this. What are we going to do? I just think it's important for you all to understand what's happening. Use federal disaster relief to rebuild after, quote, acts of God, end quote. So are we going to use that, you know, Homeland Security FEMA money to go to these communities to rebuild after these so-called acts of God? Number six, leverage historic preservation grants to rehab your real estate. It goes back to what I was saying um, about you know, these portfolios out here and federal grants that are available for restoration and repairs of your buildings or your church, especially if they're, you know, deemed, you know, a historical landmark. It's important for you <laughs> to understand this. Um, you know, spending tax dollars on church buildings was uh, ruled illegal in the 1970s, but acceptable by 2003. So, you know, right here it says, if you want to sell your historic church later for redevelopment, don't worry. Jefferson's wall of separation applies. In Washington state, for example, the Supreme Court ruled that a church could, could sell to the highest bidder, even though their iconic building had been designated a landmark and the deal included a likely wrecking ball. Mm -hmm. You need to understand that. Number seven, the public underwrites religious infrastructures. Okay, yeah. so you need to understand that, you know, about utilities, transportation, policing. Um, these, but you know, you know there's, another, there's another side to this too. I mean, perhaps mm -hmm. part of the strategy is, is getting all of these benefits, right? So that mm -hmm. perhaps we get to a point where society says maybe we should stop giving all of these benefits. But that's what I said you know, earlier. That's what I said yeah. earlier, that, you know, yeah. the, um, the humanist atheist community should petition the IRS to take all these benefits away from everybody. Well, you understand? Yeah, it should, but, but the problem is, is that by doing that, that creates an opposition, right? That creates right. a reason for churches to come out against them. So rather than That's do that, you you change the system by by getting all of these benefits, right? Mm -hmm. And then people start to question, well, maybe nobody, you know, should or maybe them. or maybe we can survive without getting these benefits, but we shouldn't. But we don't want these people over here having them. Exactly. You know yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's why, you know, with yeah. these different government cities and estates, 
allowing these monuments to the Ten Commandments. And then the atheists come over with our Paps Blue Ribbon displays and, and our and our <laughs> and our you know scarlet A's. And then the Satanists come in with their goat sitting on the throne. You know, it usually gets scrapped all together. So I mean that could be the plan, but unfortunately, I don't see that necessarily being the plan. I see people. No, I agree. Sitting. I agree. There's probably uh-huh. not all. Not everybody has that plan. But right. I'm just saying that from a from a from a. I'm not saying everybody who's out here lobbying for this has that plan. I'm not suggesting right. that. But I'm saying right. that part of it for some individuals may actually be part of a larger strategy into getting all of this taken. You know, taken out. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. Exactly. Oh yeah, Cause, yeah. Because you're not going to get these laws, you know, you know, changed, changed yeah. by because you, saying, right. "Oh, we don't think that that Christians or religious people should get these benefits." That's not going to happen. Exactly. 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 And you know, and what I'm talking about is not indicative of everybody. It's just that I know a few people and I see where they're headed and I know what they're trying to do. And I know it's about private interest and not public interest. And I just sit here, I sit here and shake my head. But I think it's important for the community to know what's available to the religious community and now is being extended to the secular community. While initially many of these same people were pointing at the church and was saying, no, no, no. But now that it's available to them, now they're like, oh, well, maybe. Huh. Anyway, so I told you number seven, (laughs) the public underwrites religious infrastructures. And again, you know, all of this real estate is tax exempt. Tax exempt. So all of those tithes and offerings that you all give them, it goes into buying them real estate. And they will put you out. They will evict a member. They give a member an apartment and that member isn't paying rent. They will evict their members and still expect that member to show up every Sunday and give. So, and again, number eight, international aid dollars. Okay. Um, You all, you need to understand, you uh, you know, one of the examples she gave here was World Vision. And it says World Vision offers desperate people the basics, food, clothing, shelter, medical care and education with a carefully, you know, dose with a careful dose of biblical Christianity. And again, you know, most of these services are funded by us, taxpayers, Americans, and they go all over the world doing this. And so, you know, I just see, you know, and again, you've heard me talk about how if the churches, and this is me and how my mind works and how I'm looking at this. And again, it's not indicative of everyone. So if you have people in this community that's against social justice, and again, I know what I'm going to say is somewhat Machiavellian and in, in context, but this is how some people think. So you want to, you know, get rid of the churches, but establish secular 
you know, humanism or atheism. You want your atheist churches. You want to put your atheist churches in these communities. You're against social justice, but miraculously, now that you're declared a religion, are you going to be willing to do those to the community while still trying to push the church out? Mm. I'm just trying to understand what's happening here. Um, Number nine, administering public health facilities. Now, I kept telling you all about this even before. I mean, this is, you know, I've been talking about this, you know, even since, you know, Barack Obama was elected initially in 2008. And when they started pushing for the Affordable Health Care Act, I kept saying that a lot of religious, you know, churches and communities were going to take advantage of that. And this is what they've done. Basically, many of them became, um, how can I put it, brokers, if you will, of these different insurance policies, you know, charging people to help them find the right policy that is good for them. They have built up those businesses. Many of them are have started a couple of call centers. In addition to that, they're going to be providing transportation. And all of this is going to be coming on the federal dime. This is business. This is big business. And I need you all to look this up, and especially these religious hospitals. Religious hospitals get 36% of all of their revenue from Medicare and 12% from Medicaid. You need to be aware of what's happening. You know, so please understand. And then it was interesting about some of these religious hospitals and facilities is they can refuse if, if a woman is, let's say she has an ectopic pregnancy. So, you know, is is in her tubes. If, if that fetus grows, that woman could die. Some of these hospitals can refuse to service her. You all need to. You all need to understand what's happening. And if you look at all of these mergers with these hospitals, you all need to pay attention because Catholic, you know, Catholic religious hospitals are taking over. And pay attention. It's extremely important that you all understand that. And these Catholic run facilities and these other religious run facilities, they take their directives from the people that control them. So no contraception, no end of life options. I mean, you know, you all need to pay attention to what's happening. This is why we have this show. And finally, number 10, provide safety net services to potential converts. So again, you have prisoners, um, addicts, single moms, pregnant teens, the elderly, foster children, and, and many, many more. And and again, if you've paid attention to the Republican stance, they're saying that the churches should provide these social services to the community. And they're trying or to that, push or it. That, or that private interests or charities will, will step up and provide these things. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're trying to push it off the government books. And, you know, give them more faith-based initiatives. That's something that you all also need to research. Faith-based initiatives. 
you need to understand what's happening here. And, you know, these, you know, we, these pastors and religious people, they are not stupid. And that's why I keep telling people in this community to stop calling religious people stupid. This, this is, this is straight business savvy. This is intelligence, you know, in time, I'm just telling you guys because Creflo Dollar wants to IPO world changers. So I'm telling you to keep your eye on this because they're trying to figure out how to IPO their brand. But guys, <laughs> you know, they didn't become millionaires by chance. And I, I'm just afraid of what it can turn into in this community. I mean, I'm, we're sitting back and we're watching a lot of this right now. And we're like, how is this happening? Why isn't anyone saying anything? And, and you know, I've had countless conversations with Raina and others about this. And the unfortunate part is, is that if you are not, how can I put it? If you're not in tuned with what's happening on the back end of humanism and atheism, you don't know about everything that's happening. And most people don't pay attention they're just paying attention to, yeah, they put that billboard up. Yeah, you know, anything that's anti-religion, they're just happy about. And they're just looking at, you know, the, the aesthetics, you know, the, the facing, the facade. That is what they see. They're not looking deeper and looking into what's happening behind the scenes. And, and the machine that's churning out, you know, these different results. And... I'm just saying you all is you have to pay attention. We tell you all some of the things that's happening. Other things, not so much because unfortunately for some people, most people, they won't understand it until it explodes in their face. And even by telling you and explaining some of these things, you know, they'll be giving the same reasonings that, you know, some of the church people give when you critique their pastors. Oh, they're just jealous or they're just hating. No, we're not. We know more about this situation than you do. And we know the motives of some of these people. But some of you all won't get it until it's out of control. And then they're, you're going to look at us and say, well, why didn't you tell us? And we're going to be able to say that we did. You weren't paying attention. So it's just interesting. Um, it's not really extremely confusing on its face. However, I just feel that the lines are being blurred, that lines are being crossed. And it's just going to turn into a big clusterfuck eventually. And we need you all to pay attention to what's happening and to ask questions and to be vocal and to know that it's okay if you're out here yelling about something and you seem to be the only one speaking up about it. Trust me, there are others in the background paying attention and then have the same concerns that you do. Unfortunately, you have too many people in this community that are afraid to speak up because of 
consequences. So if they speak up about certain behaviors, they feel that they won't be invited to speak at specific conferences, or they may be blackballed or blacklisted from, you know, um, you know, being in certain circles. We're supposed to be critical thinkers. We're supposed to be nonconformists. Create your own damn circle. We did. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not difficult to understand. There are some times when you know you may not be invited to sit at the table. They don't want to necessarily give you a seat at the table. It don't take a lot to make a table. Just needs four legs and a top. That's it. Create your own. It's not that complicated. And you, yeah, you know, and you know, that's the beautiful thing about the internet, the technology, the social media. You have people in this community that ballyhoo or boohoo, you know, social media, you know, one or the other, but the ones that boohoo, you know, social media or look down upon it are the ones that don't understand it and don't understand the importance of it. If it were not for social media, it would be no black free thinkers. Nope. You know, if it were not for social media, you know, quite a few of the people that you may like or shows that you may enjoy or hate, you know, because there's some people that listen to this show that absolutely hate me and absolutely hate this show, but they listen anyway. Hey, how y'all doing today? Thanks for listening in. But... (laughs) Um, you know, what's interesting is is that if it were not for social media, a lot of these movements would not be happening. And what's happening down in Ferguson and other, other grassroots and community movements that are taking place solely because of social media. You saw what happened in Egypt and, you know, all over the world. You know, you have these protests happening. You see what's happening down in Mexico. You know, and and how all of this is coming about and how we're able to share these stories. And there was an article asking, uh, basically, is the Internet trouncing or or basically making religion non-important? And I believe that with the Internet and the technology and the social media, that people have access to information that they didn't have access to before because the pastor could get in his pulpit, his bully pulpit, and say that it was all rumor, gossip, and conjecture. But now the evidence is coming out. More of them are being prosecuted because one of the Jedi mind tricks that they used to use on their members was nobody is going to believe you. Is your word against mine. Here's this $100 or $200 for your trouble. Doesn't matter if I, you know, uh, hurt you or somebody in your family. Nobody is going to believe you. Unfortunately, you see some of that in this community as well. But then you also have people that make false allegations. So it's just, it's, it's really interesting how, you know, all of this comes full circle. So I forgot where I was going with this. Anyway, so grassroots movements, <laughs> mass movements, were able to share that information via social media um, is, is extremely important. We want you all to keep your eyes and your ears open, pay attention to what's happening out here. 
And, you know, even though, you know, there are limitations as to, you know, secular humanism being a religion and, and a judge made that quite clear. What happens is, you know, with that particular designation by that federal judge, that can be expanded and expanded and expanded. And especially when certain people realize that there is money over here. There are quite a few preachers and pastors and missionaries and ministers that don't believe what they're preaching and teaching, you know, every Sunday and Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever they have Bible study. They don't believe it. It's a career to them. It is all that they know. In many cases, it was the only career option that they may have had. And now that they see that it's possible that there can be some money made over in the secular humanist community, you may start seeing more and more people coming out. You're seeing it now. And it's going to be more and more and as soon as they realize the money that's in it. So I'm telling you guys, I can see it as plain as day. I'm not prescient or anything like that, but I do understand human nature and human behavior. And it's just interesting. Did you have anything to add to that, Raina? Um, no, not at this time. Like I said, I mean, you know, I agree with you for the for the most part. I just I just also see a positive side of this possibly being that all of these <laughs> all of these <laughs> all of these uh, special treatments and you know privileges get taken away because you know they're like, well, we don't want to give them to these guys. <laughs> you know, right? I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because but the thing is, is that the Satanists, you know, usually come in and save the day, which is interesting. And for those that are listening, just so that we can make it clear. Atheists are not Satanists. And secular okay. humanists are not Satanists either. Exactly. Although there are some Satanists they probably would call themselves humanists, but you know. But probably right. not, because most of them because most Satanists are really individualistic. So Right. Not right. But there's probably so. a few of them that would say they're humanists, so Exactly. I would love for them to put a Satanist church in a black community. Now, you know what? You know, I I wouldn't go to church, but I would be there every Sunday in my car doing surveillance, laughing my ass off just to see the confused people walking by the church. Now, that's just my sadistic sense of humor because that type of shit tickles the shit out of me. But you know, <laughs> I don't think that would end well. I'm just, I don't think you know, so. <laughs> I don't think I don't think a Satanist church in most places would end well. I'm not saying there's something particular about black people that they would need to watch out for. But I just don't think a Satanist church in most communities would work out well. You know. Oh, it would be YouTube moments. I mean, I tell you, I would be sitting there filming just so I can get all those special Kodak moments on film and put it up on YouTube because you know hilarity would ensue. You know that, don't you? So, yeah. I know. I, you know I what know. I would do? I would just I would just go over there in my car and just yeah. sell bottles of olive oil. That's all I would do. <laughs> 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 olive oil and holy water. 
olive oil, holy yeah. water, but I would still have the camera going so that we can put it up on YouTube and see what the hell happens. You know, yeah. and then invite. Hey, you worry and, about the camera. I'm gonna just worry about the olive oil sales. Hey, it's, I'm it's marking that up at least. Look, I'm marking that up at least seventy percent. Okay, so exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean we'll have a good money making business because you know the YouTube hits would be you know outrageous. You know, so anyway, guys, we're kidding. Okay, <laughs> I don't want nobody writing a blog saying. You know, black free thinkers watch them to open a Satan. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it would be humorous. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of this stuff is quite humorous to us. You know, when a Satanist decides they want to put their monument up next to the Ten Commandments, that's funny to us. When Satanists wanted to hand out coloring books, when, you know, the religious people were handing out Bibles. And then it all got scrapped. That's funny to us. It's not that we're advocating for one side or the other because we don't believe in either side. We're just entertained. That's it. That's it. You know, because shit is hilarious. So, <laughs> so anyway, let me stop laughing at this. Or I won't be getting any hate mail. So, you know, if you want to send me some email, you can. Blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Again, that's blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. I'm actually in a rather good mood. So even if you send me something totally asinine, my response this week probably will be very kind and compassionate if I respond. So anyway, <laughs> well, I'm known for ignoring emails. I mean, I, I, I don't deny that shit. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's interesting, but we just wanted to bring that information to you. I could break it down even more, but to be honest with you, it's just a damn headache. And I just feel that you all should just so, But you attention. never answered the question. Do you think that religion, that um, black or secular humanism is a religion? Mm, who? Or do you well, think we'll say certain, certain definitions of religion that it could be classified as a religion? For the most part, I feel that it has, it, it's, it's a blurred line. It's, it's a blurred line. Um, with the word secular, that is what makes mm -hmm. me want to say no. But understanding right. how humanism works, and especially in communities of color, so, you know, I'm giving my perspective from that because I've never been white, so I can't answer from that perspective. Right. Yeah, but, you know, being right. So being a person wait, of color. Wait, you, you weren't, you, wait, you weren't, wait, so you're telling me you weren't white in 1984? Like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, <laughs> For that one I was, day? No, I'm just kidding. hey, I was deprived, child. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, you know, we have to look at this. You know, we're looking a lot of the stuff that we're looking at, we're looking at it from a cultural perspective, which is why, you know, our definitions, our perspectives are so far apart sometimes. Sometimes they're polar opposites. Like when I did the show talking about the God concept and how white people generally look at religion 
you know, is basically is built off of fear and oppression. Whereas with black people in the Christianity that is followed in our community, basically that is that hope and change that Barack Obama built his campaign on. You know, it's about belief and hope and finding some type of tranquility in in this big ass life of chaos that we're living. But for secular humanism coming from, you know, a perspective as a person of color, yes, I do believe it's a religion. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I think I think it is I think it is a religion. I think that, you know, sometimes we have this idea of, and I've read this and I and I kind of um as I'm starting to kind of expand my perspectives on things, I'm sort mm-hmm. of um looking at it at things differently than I used to. So like, you know, we have this we we in the secular community tend to think of religion as irrational, non-intellectual, right? And right. as ever, and as the reason thought and what we do as intellectual, right? And so there's this there's this hierarchy, right? But I think about a lot of a lot of philosophy and a lot of a lot of sort of uh, political beliefs and and um, approaches to things and and even morals and not to say that you know morals are definitely are come from religion or specifically theistic religion right because like like we agree with Paul Kurtz right we all essentially come up with some you know consensus on right and wrong right based on our experience. And, and and the consequences of those actions, right? So mm-hmm. that's not to say that, but I think that um, sometimes we do ourselves, we do our humanity, right? A disservice mm-hmm. when we try to wall off, you know, what is intellectual, right. you know, as as one particular type of thing. And it's the same sort of thing that we've seen in terms of, um, you know, culture, right? And in, in, right. so, in sociology, right? There's this notion that, you know, people who are, um, you know, that, that black and brown people tend to come from these places where they don't have technology, right? Or that they don't have, um, you know, advanced civilization or advanced culture, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're mm-hmm. looking at it from our own, our own sort of narrow perspective, right? But, right. you know, when we think about it, you know, culture and technology and all of these things are a response to the needs of individuals, right? Or, exactly. Or the culture, right? Exactly. So if you mm-hmm. live in a particular invo- environment that doesn't require those things, then those things don't exist. There's no need for them. You know exactly. I mean? So, you know, it's the same sort of sort of thing in my in my opinion. You know what I mean? We exactly. Have to, we have to be very careful about right. how we place things in hierarchies, you know what I mean? And exactly. Um, and this goes back to what we were talking about with white supremacy, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, you have to be very careful about the way that one thinks about things. And there's already sort of this uh, separation already when we talk about, you know, black communities and white communities. There's these, right. these um, you know, these learned dichotomies, right, that we, that we, that we internalize, right? That, exactly. That white people are rational and black people are religious, that, you know, and white emotional. people are, right, and emotional and, 
you know, and, and artistic and all of these other things where right. as whites are typically thought of as being logical and rational and reasonable and scientific and all of these other things. So we have to be very, I think, careful about how we, you know, box ourselves up. And, and, exactly. And, you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, That's right. You know, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and, you know, I mean, it's sometimes also the criticism of people who are religious that people who call themselves atheists and, and humanists, that they, that sometimes they don't see where humanists can connect to sort of the, um, the awe and the wonder, right. Of right. the natural world. Right. Um, right. That they don't, that they don't, that they don't connect with it, that they don't really have any sort of, um, I hate to use the word spiritual, you know what I mean? Um, right. But, you know, but they don't have, you know, that, I can't think, uh, the, that emotional sort of connection. Right? Exactly. Like that emotional mm-hmm. component is missing. And um, and that's not true. You know what I mean? I mean. Oh, yeah. You know, it's certainly not true of us. I mean, I can't say. <laughs> like, right. But there are well, you know. Who don't seem to be missing the social chip or the emotional tip, because there are certainly <laughs> awesome people in the community that are missing that. But, you know. Right. That is too funny. I think we have Bakari on the line. Let me pull him up. Let me see here. Is this you, Bakari? 661, may we ask who's calling? Who, I'm sorry? Hey, Red, hey, how are you? Very good. Hey, what you have to say? What say you, Red? Well, um, I'm not quite actually sure what the topic is supposed to be today, but um, from what I was able to gather and what I was able to hear, um, we were talking about like issues within the, the secular community regarding, you know, how we approach police, how we approach stereotypes, how we approach right privilege. Am I right? Yeah, the topic actually, is what the topic was today. Yeah, go ahead. Kim. Yeah, the topic is is secular humanism a religion? And what brought about this particular show was when a federal district court in Oregon declared secular humanism a religion. And so basically it's paving the way for the non-theistic community to obtain the same legal rights as groups such as Christianity. And so you know how we do, we, you know, we broaden the conversation and some kind of way is still tethered to the original topic, but we were talking about some of the things that you know we've experienced and we've talked about in this community. And you came in on the tail end when we were talking about you know um, white perceptions versus black perceptions. And again, neither group is a monolith, but you know we're talking about when I did the show on a God concept and white Christianity is basically based on fear and oppression, while black Christianity was pretty much built on Barack Obama's platform way before he was born of hope and change, you know, and and considering the conditions that we lived in then and the conditions that many of us live in now, we're looking at this from two different perspectives. And, you know, what Raina was, you know, talking about there was, We have to be careful because a lot of people in this community, again, they're not, some of them are not looking deeper and deeper, but 
a lot of the modeling of the atheist community and the secular humanist community, and I'm just talking about in the raw, and this does not apply to everybody, but it is built on white supremacy, period. So that's why we have to be careful about what we read, what we say, how we take things into account, and how we move forward. Because, you know, you have to look deeper and look beyond. And I'm sure some of the things that we've pointed out on this show has caused people to go back and look at some of the things that they used to parrot, you know, um, quotes from Hitchens and Dawkins. And we were just, you know, encouraging people to put things in perspective. That is what today's show was about. Um, well, thank you for enlightening me on that. The only, the only reason why I wasn't able to catch it this time was because I'm actually driving and I'm on my Bluetooth, so I'm not able to actually look at the screen that shows what the topic is. But um, with that being said, I agree with everything you said, but I did want to add one thing. Um, mm-hmm. The topic regarding you know, secular humanism and secular humanism and religion, the one thing I'm very careful about or that, or that I'm really hesitant about is that Anybody is going to look at that question and then assume that because the government has termed second humanism a religion, quote unquote, that our position is based on faith that there is no God. And that's the part I'm worried about is that when people look at that topic, when people look at that headline, they're going to think, okay, well, that means atheism is a religion, humanism is a religion because they have as much faith as any of us Christians or Muslims. And that would be a mistake. Now, and the reason why I say that, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. The reason why I say that would be a mistake is because we already have a very, very bad perception, both inside and outside of the atheist community, in regards to what atheism is and what secular humanism is. And when you define secular humanism as a religion, what it does is it essentially places the Christian and Muslims at the same level of faith as atheists. And I don't think that that's the correct way to put it because atheism is the distinct lack of faith rather than a faith in and of itself. It's not saying there isn't a God, there is no God. It's saying I don't have enough information to say that I believe. I don't have enough proof to say that there is a God with certainty. And I'm afraid that, you know, as a result of decisions that have actually been made within the government, within the Supreme Court, it's going to cause us to misdefine what atheism is among the general population. And that's what I'm worried about. But I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there is worry there. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm talking about these blurred lines and the confusion by these new designations. And, you know, it opens all of this up to debate and establishing firm um, definitions. And again, you know, a lot of this to a certain degree is subjective. Even the definition of religion in and of itself is subjective. I remember in one of my philosophy classes, whereas the professor told us to define religion. 
And that was all we had to do, one class period. Do you know it was it turned into a big old debate? The whole class and the professor was just sitting there chuckling because he knew that wow. defining religion in and of itself was going to cause that debate because we had um, we had Christians, we had Muslims, we had Wiccans, we had you know atheists, we just had a number of different people in that class, and so you know, I feel right now that all of this is up for discussion. All of this is up for debate. But at the end of the day, it does not change me and what my definition of it happens to be. But again, we're looking at this with this show. I'm looking at it from a legal standpoint and what the court has established. So that's why I made sure that I talked specifically about the establishment clause and how this decision was rendered. It was rendered as, you know, as, as being pointed specifically at the establishment um, clause, and they were able to establish that gentleman as a humanist chaplain, you know, in the Navy. At first I thought it was the Army, I got it mixed up, but it was the Navy. So, you know, I just feel that with that declaration from the federal district court that is kind of opening you know, I won't say Pandora's box, but is leaving the definition of religion open and to be expanded upon. And, you know, you know how we are in this community. We're going to push the envelope. So basically, I'm just right. telling people that, you know, sit back and watch and see what's happening. If there's something you do not like, be vocal about it. But right now, to be honest with you, I feel that everything is up in the air and subject to be debated. And like I, I said, we have. Hmm? I said, yeah. Uh, I was saying, I yeah, and, you know, um, it's just. The thing, mm -hmm. the thing we have to keep in mind is that one one good one good thing about you know what's going on with these decisions within the courts is that Christians are losing their privilege to be able to say that it's a nation that caters to them, and that's the good part. That Christians right. are starting to realize that Christian does not define America. Christianity does not define Americans as a nation, as a people. And that when it comes to you know chaplains within the military, and when it comes to you know who is allowed to claim their right to service in the military and who can claim to be American, quote unquote, or not, it's not defined by Christianity. The good old boys love of Christianity no longer have a stake in the claim of saying that the United States are or the United States of America's culture wars in general. They're losing their privilege, and it's a good thing to see because they need exactly. to know that their ideas are not. Exactly, and I agree with you know leveling the playing field. You know, I believe in leveling the playing field, but, you know, what I worry about is by the time we get to that level, when they decide to just strike it across the board, you know, how many people from, you know, the humanist community will take advantage of that loophole and exploit it? Because we've seen a lot of exploitation and manipulation on this end. We're seeing it. We're sitting back and we're watching it. So at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, to a certain degree, money and deciding who gets to have it, who gets to spend it, how they get to spend it, and who they take it from. 
So, you know, I just, I'm just a little leery about, you know, what I consider as pyramid Ponzi schemes being played even over in this community. And the reason why it's such an issue for me is, you know, the people in this community in general, you know, claim to be so enlightened, claim to be, you know, morally upright and, and, and better than what, you know, theists have presented. But given the opportunity to exploit that particular loophole or take advantage of these designations, how many of them will do that for money? And how many of them will emulate the very behavior that we allegedly abhor? Oh, I agree. But you know what? I think that there's hope in the sense that I honestly think that there are going to be checks and balances within the community that are going to keep quote unquote atheist leaders mm-hmm. and people that have a show what behaviors to find an atheist, what issues to find an atheist, what political stance to find an atheist, because of the fact that, and what I hope is that we have enough of a sense of common ground and an ability to actually think through our morals and our reasoning, that it won't actually come to that point. But on the other hand, you still got to follow the money, and as long as there's money, there's going to be an opportunity to try to get as much of it as possible. Right. I don't, I don't disagree with the fact that there is potential trouble there in the sense that you do have people that are going to try to draw a line between whether you're in or out. Right. And and it's already, and you're right, it is already happening within the atheist community. But I guess the question I have is, what solutions would you propose that would keep that from being an issue anymore? Like, if you were to say... Okay, I have an atheist organization now, and I get to actually set up terms, and I, I actually get to set up how this is going to be ran, and how the atheist community is going to get along with each other. What solutions are we prepared to offer to keep controversy from actually, you know, becoming a thing? You want to take that, Raina, or you want me to go with it? Oh, you can go with it. Okay. I believe that, you know, part of the solution is we're seeing it now. We see other um, people in this community, particularly bloggers, holding, you know, a lot of these so-called atheist celebrities to account and, and basically holding them responsible for their words and explaining to them why this is destructive or that may be destructive. But that, you know, it, you have the battle, you know, going back and forth, you know, and we see it all the time. But when it comes down to money, you know, people will put those blinders on. They don't care what you have to say. And if they are an independent entity, so that is their 501c3, them and their organization, and they've placed their yes men or yes women in position on their boards. And these people know that they will reap some of the benefits from that. So they're going to rubber stamp everything that the atheist celebrity or atheist leader says then we have the same thing that these churches have. 
So basically the pastor has his board of trustees, his deacon board or whomever, and all of these people rubber stamp what the pastor says. You have the same thing happening over here in this community and they won't care what you blog about. They don't care if you talk about them at the end of the day, they're making their money and the people that are under them that support them the most will reap the benefits of it because unfortunately, with a lot of people and the mindsets, especially Americans here and how, you know, Americans are manipulated. I mean, you've seen this in the community, you know, we'll say support, you know, these black authors support, you know, Norm Allen, Tony Pence, Kivu Hutchinson, Donald Wright in their books and what they've authored. And many of the people, especially in the atheist community of color, many of them have never even heard of them, but they break their necks to show pictures of them posing with their Dawkins book or with their Harris book or with their hitch slap t-shirts, but they don't know who these other people are. It is because they're so wrapped up in, in being, you know, included or being part of, you know, part of the clique, if you will. And they feel that what these people say is law. And that's why, you know, I've made comments about how with some of the people in this community, you would think that they were, you know, basically washed by the blood of the four horsemen by the way that they act and some of the things that they say. And especially, I mean, so right now, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, you have these independent churches that do not have anyone governing over them so they can do whatever. That's why Creflo Dollar will give you the middle finger and laugh all the way to the bank riding in his ropes. The same thing has the potential of happening over here. And because we have no overseeing governance, it's going to be the same shit, dude, straight up. And it all boils down to money. It all boils down to money. I mean, Raina, what say you? Um, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, you know, I think that um, for a lot of people, you know, they are uh, sort of conditioned to believe that, you know, that whatever, um, whatever someone with initials behind their name says, you know, whatever, especially if they're, you know, white, you know, male. Um, it is, and male is, is right, you know, and, um, and so I think, um, you know, there, you know, there's this notion, especially because these men tend to claim that, you know, they're more, or, or claims are made that these men are more intellectual, as they're more, um, you know, they're smarter <laughs> than, uh, right. than a lot of these other people, that people tend to feel like they're smarter by association. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and that's and it's not to say that you're not smart, but you're not smart because <laughs> you, you read Richard Dawkins' book. You're smart because exactly. you're smart. You know what I mean? But um, right. it's just unfortunate, you know. Exactly. And some of the, you know, parallels that I see is like when you speak to some religious people and they get to quoting, you know, because it becomes a certain, you know, cliches and catchphrases. And you say a specific 
thing, you know, it's like call and response. And you will hear the same response from different people, maybe all over the, the world, but, you know, they kind of fall in line. You, you see some of the same thing over here in the atheist community. You say one thing and, you know, they know, okay, if you say this, then, you know, atheism is to a religion as bald is to a hairstyle or some shit like that. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, call and response, call and response, and you will see it. And you see them memorizing catchphrases from, you know, the four horsemen. And you'll see a lot of people quoting the same thing. And I just see a lot of the parallels, you know, and I do comparative right. analysis of this all the time. And I'm like, why don't you people see what I'm seeing? Don't you realize what you're well, doing? And go ahead. I think some people honestly do realize what they're doing and just don't really care that right. they're not really thinking for themselves. And it's funny, you said, like, we, you were talking about, like, catchphrases and things like that, and you're right in the sense that there are buzzwords within the Christian and the atheist community that have to be abandoned. And I've always right. told people there are bad arguments for the existence of God, and there are bad arguments against the existence of God. And if Hitchens right. or Dawkins or Harris or Dennett have a bad argument against the existence of God, that needs to be questioned just as much as anybody's bad argument for the existence of God. And exactly. not just that, but yeah, I mean, but not just that, but the positions that they hold also have to be questioned. Right. You know, mm -hmm. the positions on war have to be questioned. The positions on public right. policy and financial management within the American government, those policies Racial also have profiling. to be questioned. Exactly. exactly. That, that has to be questioned. Um, so I am just as, you know, if, if a preacher is preaching against homosexuality, then I'm going to call that preacher out and I'm going to talk about that person. Um, right. But if Sam Harris, like it surprised me, like not a lot of people talk too much about Sam Harris's policy regarding Israel and his defense of Israel. Right. And his defense of the Israel-Palestinian conflict as just. And some atheists, when you bring up this, when you bring up this idea that, you know, you should question this just as much as you questioned your preacher. That's right. It's like, oh, no, no. Sam Harris is too intelligent. He's thought too much about this to be wrong. He's right. too good to be wrong. And I'm like, wait a minute, too good, too intelligent, can't be wrong. I'd expect that kind yeah, of reasoning. I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's like, now you're, you're, you're sounding like his, you're, you are sounding like you're the parishioner of Sam Harris's church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. see, the thing yeah, with Sam um, Harris specifically. Okay. Go ahead, Raina, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say you go ahead, Sorry. Oh, okay. Now, what I was going to say, you know, the thing with Sam Harris, specifically Sam Harris, is that is truly a blurred line that he's walking for a magazine to ask if Sam Harris is the new spiritual leader. That should be throwing up red ah. flags all over the place, you know, because it's like, what the hell are you doing? Which one are you? Not that you have to be either one, but, you know, somebody is being misled somewhere. And yeah, and it's like yeah. his book waking his book waking up um, mm -hmm. 
spirituality without religion. I thought it was I thought it was very interesting, and this is something I actually am glad that Christians have called him out on. Is this idea that somehow there are these transcendent truths about right. the universe and about humanity that can be gained? But what Christians have said rightly is, why can't that transcendent truth be any one of our religions? And if you really don't believe in a God, and if you don't really believe that there's anything outside of our brain, can anything be truly transcendent? And how can you connect? How can you come up with a spiritual model if you don't believe in spirits? If you don't believe exactly. in God, how mm -hmm. that's a contradiction. Like you, and you know what? They're absolutely the Christians are right, and I've defended them exactly. saying that. Right, they're walking a very thin line of woo. That exactly. hey, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I I 100% yeah, agree. I don't know. I'd have to read his. I was gonna say I'd have to read his book. I don't know if um if I would agree that there's no trans uh, transcendent truths, but I would um say that um I'm open to the possibility, but I doubt very seriously that Sam Harris can convince me of his model. You right. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, just, you know, kind of tying all of this, you know, that particular component of this conversation is I feel that, you know, the people in this community, atheists, humanists, non-believers, free thinkers, skeptics, whatever you call yourself, you need to pay attention to the Islamophobia coming from a lot of these so-called atheist celebrities. It is important that you pay attention to that and understand why it's important that we're specifically digging that one up. You know, this is the reason why I'm pointing to Islamophobia and these atheist celebrities, you know, being against um, Islam in general. But, you know, just to kind of throw some hints out there, you know, there's a lot of black and brown people. And, you know, even with, the Christians, particularly here in America, and, you know, black and brown people happen to be, you know, the majority, you know, that, that, you know, falls under that particular title, you need to pay attention. Because when we say that some of this is veiled racism, just go back, put it in context, think critically. Think critically. And we're not telling you to think like us or to speak like us or to be like us. All I'm saying is we just need for you to dig a little deeper. You know, we're not making these accusations because we're bored this week. This is something that we've been talking about on a consistent basis. And there is something to that. And so, you know, you all need to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But I, I do have a question about that, though. Do you think that perhaps... Because, no, I, I mean, I agree that Islamophobia is a thing. Um, but there's there's one thing that I kind of have to emphasize about this, and that's to say to be critical of Islam is not to be critical of a race because Islam is not a race. It is a religion. No, it is a religious right, of system. But, right, of course, and we don't mean I, that. But, yeah. Right, right, right. But, but at the same so with that being said, I do think that there are those that are Islamophobic but then there are also those that criticize Islam, right? Right. And I do mm -hmm. think that we have to be careful about saying that every person, that most people that criticize Islam are Islamophobic. 
Um, because I no. don't think that and we would never say that. That accuse us as atheists of being mm-hmm. Islamophobic are being violent in their criticisms because most, mm-hmm. most, every Muslim, in fact, is going to call anybody that criticizes their religion Islamophobic, and I don't think that that's mm-hmm. actually the case. Right. So we have right. to be careful. No, agreed. And and not and not in 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 saying that somebody is being Islamophobic versus being critical of false beliefs in particular. So this is the way so this is the way that one distinguishes legitimate criticism of Islam from Islamophobia. Okay? There's a difference between right. saying, for example, that um you know, that there's no evidence for you know for for Allah, right? Or saying that you d- you doubt various parts of the testimony of Muhammad, right? Or that you even have issues with some of the behaviors that Muhammad engaged in, right? Right. There, but where it becomes Islamophobia is where you start to pit uh, Islamic civilization, right? Or Islamic cultures against Western culture, right? Where you say things like, we have more Nobel prizes, right? Than than the Arab world or the Islamic world. The, you know, when you start to get into that sort of thing, or when you try to act as though all um, Islamic cultures or Arab cultures are backwards, right? Or you say, "Well, look at how they yeah. treat their women." You know what I mean? Well, look right. at how women in the West are treated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. You know, it's not to say that you can't say anything about, okay, well, there are some abusive things that happen in religion, but not every woman looks at the hijab and says, oh, this is a, a really oppressive thing. You know what I mean? Right. One could easily look at, at the at Miss America pageants and think that that is also a, a form of imp- oppression. You know what I mean? So it's all in yeah. the way in which the critique is offered, right? If it, If it's about... Right. If it's about casting aspersions on the entire on, on the entire culture and the entire um, group of people who might identify religiously that way, then you're starting right. to get into into Islamophobia. But if you're making very legitimate crit- pointed criticisms exactly. about particular behaviors or particular customs or you know as long as and they have to be and I say particular behaviors or particular customs and I mean like you're saying like, okay, I don't, this comes from the Quran, you know what I mean? As opposed to this, you know, this being um, like, okay, like, like female genital mutilation, right? Female genital mm-hmm. mutilation is not necessarily Islamic. It's, it's practiced in a lot of Islamic cultures, right? But and, to, and also to act as though non-Islamic cultures too. Right, and it's practiced in a lot of non-Islamic cultures as well. You know what I mean? So, and then, you know, saying things like people who practice that are necessarily backwards or stupid or ignorant or whatever, that's when you're starting to get into Islamophobia. You know what I mean? You might say, you might have a criticism of the custom, and you might say, okay, I think this is harmful. These are the reasons I think it's harmful. But when you start saying that these people are backwards or barbaric or ignorant or whatever, that is Islamophobia. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, 
you know, I'm glad that you defined that because it is about the context of the comments and, you know, what specifically, you know, they are pointing to. But, you know, going back to what Red was talking about with Sam Harris's stance on Israel, you know, what was interesting about that was seeing the arguments on Facebook and some people calling some atheists, Zionist atheists. And, you know, it's just, it's really interesting when we start designating um, certain, you know, ideas and certain political positions and seeing this community grow. But again, that's, that's the beautiful thing about us being able to take these arguments apart and being able to criticize it in context. Right. Just in context. Well, it, also, it also just goes to show you that, you know, going back to what we said about white supremacy and mm-hmm. atheism, right? That that atheism can offer these these uh these criticisms of Islam, right, as being sort of imperialistic and, and barbaric and backwards and all of these horrible, terrible things that you hear people saying, right? But somehow oh, Western imperialism never gets that critique by those same individuals, right? That somehow, you know, our, you know, all the forms of imperialism that the West is engaged in, not just, you know, actual sort of physical occupation, right? But cultural imperialism by, you know, um, by engaging in sanctions, right? Unnecessarily punitive sanctions, right? Against people mm-hmm. who we don't agree with um, with their with their choice of government, right? We we stand for democracy, and then we stand in its way. You know what I mean? Right, right. When it doesn't suit our purposes, you know what I mean. So it's it's just so the lack of insight is just right. so interesting for a group of people that pride themselves on their intellectualism. Exactly, you know? exactly, and that's why we challenge them to think for themselves, get out here, read, research, understand the issues, understand the pros and the cons, you know, the problematic arguments that we see on on both sides, if you will. But, you know, again, you know, this is a great conversation and it's something that we definitely can expand on in the future. And, you know, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping this up. I thank Red Ninja for calling in. I thank Raina for joining me today. And hopefully, you know, we hope you all enjoyed the show. Again, if you have any questions, you can email us, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Again, that's blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. For those of you that have any questions about moving social justice and people of color beyond faith, you can send us an email again, people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. Again, people of color beyond faith at gmail.com or blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. And the next podcast is Sunday, December 7th, 10 a.m. Pacific, which is noon central, which is one o'clock Eastern. So on that note, um, any closing words, Raina? Nope. <laughs> All right, you guys. We thank you for listening in. We thank you for, you know, being here for us, for the support. And we appreciate you. You all have a lovely rest of the Sunday now. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.